from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 16. Okay, very good. Go ahead and read whenever you're ready. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, but it be however so severely severely if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran off for his life. He came to Beersheba to in Judah. He left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom birch, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have and I had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the brush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled to 40 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord appears to Elijah, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I have been, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put the prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. I know they're, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake in the in the earthquake, after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after and after the fire came a gentle a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out, stood at the mountain mouth of the cave. When he his voice said to him. When a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am, I am the only one left, and now I am, they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go the desert of Damascus where you get Amal and Hazel king over Ahem, Oso, Ananju, son of Namsh king over Israel, and Anan, Elijah's, Elisha's son of Shaphat for Abel, anoint Amoint to succeed with you as prophet. Go in peace. Amen. Amen. Good job. And all the people in the church said, way to go, Ben. Let's pray. God, we do uh, thank you once again for uh, the gifts that you bless us with, the gift of life on this day, the gift of this church, this body of Christ. God, uh, the ongoing gifts of provision for this body as we look to the future. Over and above all else today, Lord God, we are most especially grateful for the gift of your grace that's been offered to each and every one of us in the person and through the work of Jesus. We thank you for your life-giving and life-changing word that Ben has read for us. And now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, open our hearts and minds to receive its message. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, today uh, we are continuing on in our Immerse uh, Kingdoms study. And uh, this morning I am focusing in on uh, one of the characters that really emerges in the week seven reading plan, and that character is Elijah. And in today's scripture, we really witness Elijah here, the scripture that Ben read, Elijah battling depression following a very intense season of a spiritual high followed by a deep low in his life. Uh, in terms of the spiritual high, Elijah had been an eyewitness to God's supernatural provision. Elijah had been a, uh, a witness to God's spiritual victory over the false prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. Uh, Elijah had witnessed God's miraculous answer to prayer for rain after a three and a half year drought. But this morning, as we, as we kind of step into our text and our story in 1 Kings 19, I think it so often is the same for us. Not exactly like Elijah, but the pattern is often the same in our life. Uh, a season of, of, of spiritual or, or just highs in life followed by a season of lows. And I especially know this as, as someone who 
worked for years in youth ministry. There were spiritual highs and spiritual lows. As a youth pastor, the summer typically were these these months of of spiritual highs where we would go away and, and, and engage in Christian formation experiences at a Bible camp, uh, we, we do mission trips for several weeks, short-term mission trips, serving others in Jesus' name. And it was during those times where students made a commitment to Christ with their lives, or they really got to, to know what it means to be the hands and the feet and the mouthpiece of Jesus, serving others in need. Spiritual highs, the spiritual mountaintop. I'd often come back at the end of a, a season like that and, and kind of transition into the fall back at home and 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 over those days and weeks my family would notice that that I'd kind of come off the spiritual mountaintop that I was on as well and go down into the valley into some strange different kinds of places and my family would notice this they they noticed my behavior I would sleep at odd hours and I would sleep for long periods of time I would be consuming massive quantities of food sometime after midnight. And what really got them was just my high emotional response to television. I, it, was though, it was during those days and those weeks where I'd see a slightly inspirational uh, commercial or, or maybe a slightly inspirational story on a, a participant in American Idol. And I'd just lose it emotionally as I would see that because I, I was... I've been high and I was down low and I was just kind of rebuilding over that season. And I think we see these kinds of patterns in our life. Doesn't it work like that in our own lives as well? A season of intense highs followed by a season of lows. And, and in much the same way, Elijah, after witnessing God's supernatural provision and seeing spiritual victory come from God and miraculous answers to prayer, Elijah comes down to a low point. And we see this in the text Ben read for us, beginning in 1 Kings 19.1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. Ahab was the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. He was the sec- seventh consecutive evil king. And according to Scripture, he had done more evil than in, in the eyes of God than all those before him. And primarily he did this as he turned the hearts of the people away from the one true God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and turned it toward the false gods of Baal and Asherah, complete with detestable kinds of worship practices that I can't even go into because today's a kid's Sunday. Jezebel was the wife of Ahab, and she was considered to be one of the most wicked uh, women who ever lived. And together, these two, they functioned as the poster couple for all that was evil and wicked. And toward the end of his reign, Ahab abdicates authority to Jezebel. And Jezze gladly takes it and gladly takes over. Verse 2. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Now the them she is referring to are the 850 deceased prophets of Baal 
who lost their lives in a spiritual battle at Mount Carmel. Uh, Jezebel is saying, Elijah, I'm going to do everything within my power and within my influence to kill you. Verse 3, the first half of it. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And I just want to wait a minute here. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Do we remember his story? God raises up Elijah, whose name literally means, My God is Jehovah, to confront Ahab and Jezebel, basically saying to them, Because of your idolatry, God has sent me to tell you there will be no dew, there will be no rain until God tells me to pray and ask for it, and a three and a half year drought follows. It's during this time that we read about Elijah going into a season of preparation. We read that God leads him to a place called the Kerith Ravine. And Kerith is a word that means cut off or cut down. Elijah is being cut and sculpted in this time by God to become the man of God, the prophet of God. And it's during this season of cutting and sculpting that God miraculously provides for Elijah's basic daily needs. We read about him drinking from a brook of clean water. Bread and meat delivered to him twice a day by birds. We read this in the scripture. One day the brook dries up and then God leads Elijah to another place called Zarephath. And God miraculously provides for his needs once again there through a widow who who bakes him biscuits using a cup of flour that we read never runs out and a jug of oil that never runs dry. Again, God's provision for Elijah. The widow's son dies. Elijah, being cut and sculpted into this man of God, demonstrates deep faith. And he takes this son to an upper room of the home and prays to God that the boy be raised back to life, and God miraculously answers and responds to Elijah's prayer. And through this season, you see, Elijah is learning to fully trust and fully depend upon God as he witnesses God showing up again and again. And so Elijah is now prepared for his spiritual battle, and God leads him to confront the prophets of Baal, he, uh, got, he, he has, Elijah has two, two altars prepared, two bulls prepared, two altars to be constructed, one for himself and, and representing the Lord his God and the other for the prophets of Baal. And Elijah goes so far as to ask that his altar be drenched with water three times and he issues the challenge in Scripture. He says to the prophets of Baal, call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, this one is God. And God responds once again. And we read in the scripture that the fire of the Lord fell and it burned the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the soil and it licked up all the water that had accumulated in the trench at the base uh, of, of this altar. Elijah in that moment must have been filled with awe at the demonstration of God's power. 
next God uh, calls Elijah to ascend up to the top of Mount Carmel. And, and there Elijah's praying to God, asking that the rain come on the land. God, send rain. And Elijah prays this, we read in the scripture, seven times. And seven must have been the magic number because Elijah's servant reports off in the distance over the sea. There's a, there's a cloud that looks about the size of a person's hand rising. And by faith, Elijah believes the rain is coming. And sure enough, we read that God sends a gully washer. Supernatural provision. Miraculous spiritual victory. Multiple specific prayers answered. And we read that Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Did he have amnesia? Maybe he had a panic attack. He bolts. He leaves. 1 Kings chapter 19, the second half of verse 3 through verse 5. When Elijah came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While uh, he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree and sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under a tree and fell asleep. As we continue reflecting on Elijah's story today, uh, we learn from our text how to get depressed in four easy steps. Let me show them to you. Step one is to do what Elijah did, wear ourselves out. Three and a half years of faith-stretching confrontation, intensive prayer, spiritual battle. Now he's running for his life, and he's running away to the southernmost tip of the entire kingdom. Elijah, spiritually, emotionally, physically drained out in the desert, no gas left in his tank. And so how about us today, church? How about us? Have some of us worn ourselves out? How is our spiritual, our emotional, how's our, how full or empty is our tank today? Elijah worn, wore himself out. And, and some of us, like Elijah, have just maybe plumb, plain, worn ourselves out. A second easy step we can take to get depressed is this. Shut trusted people out. This is exactly what Elijah does. He abandons a trusted servant going out into the desert alone. It, it becomes so easy for us. I know for myself included here, when we are overwhelmed to, to separate and to isolate ourselves from those that we trust, we wall up, we, we stiff-arm people. It's kind of like we're the island, and people that love us and people that we trust are, are like in a canoe paddling around that island, and they're wanting to beach the canoe and connect with us. And we're an island, and we wall up, and we don't allow them to beach the canoe, and they really want to beach the canoe, if you know what I mean. Want to get depressed? Shut trusted people out of our lives. Next, focus on the negative. 
Elijah, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And self-pity started to take over. And I know from personal experience as well, self-pity begins to so easily exaggerate and exaggerate. And finally, step four, forget God. Remember all that God had done in the life of Elijah, supernatural provision and spiritual victory and these miraculous answers to prayer. Elijah forgets about God. And we too have the tendency to forget God when we are worn out and when we are isolated and when we are focused on the negative. We too have the natural tendency to forget what God has beautifully and powerfully and miraculously done in the past. The fourth easy step to get depressed, forget God. As we continue on reading the text today, we discover in the scripture God's prescription to combat depression. Elijah, hiding in an isolated location, wanted to die. He was hopeless. God sends an angel to Elijah. Through the angel, God essentially says to eat and rest. Verses 5 and 6. All at once, the angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And Elijah looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of of water. There God goes again, providing for Elijah's basic needs with this good food and drink. And the scripture reads that he ate and he drank and then he lay down again. Rest. Rest. Part of God's prescription to combat depression is to eat and to rest. Over the years, I've, I've met with counselors. I've met with spiritual directors. I've met with therapists. And at times and in, in difficult seasons, they've been very helpful to me as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. I was once told by a counselor early on in my days of ministry, during a difficult season with life, the most spiritual thing you can do right now is to rest. The most spiritual thing you can do right now is to rest. Sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is rest. The angel of God provides Elijah with good hot food and drink and lets him take a nap. Get spiritual today, church. Have a good meal and take a Sunday afternoon nap. Somebody in the church say amen to that. Amen. Verses 7 and 8. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. Watch what Elijah is able to do after he rests and he eats. We read, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, 
the mountain of God. Wow. Mount Horeb, this mountain of God, is most likely, we think, the location where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. This is a holy and a sacred kind of place that we read about in the Scripture. God's prescription to combat depression is to eat and to rest and to go where God is. And I will say today that God is present here with us as we worship. God is here through the the receiving and the response to faith-filled prayers that have already been offered this morning. God is present with us through the Word. God is here with us in a special, holy, mysterious way through the sacrament. Uh, God is present in and around and among us through the Holy Spirit as we fellowship together. God's prescription to combat depression, eat, rest, go to where God is. Next, God replaces our lies with the truth. Verses 9 and 10. There Elijah went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And God already knew that what Elijah was doing. But you see, I think here God is trying to tease out to, to allow Elijah to voice his problem, to verbalize the lie that he was believing so that God could replace it with the truth. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Well, that's true. Uh, The Israelites have rejected your covenant. That's true. Broken down your altars. That's true. And put your prophets to death by the sword. True. I am the only one left false. And they're trying to kill me. True. But back to this, I'm the only one left. That's false. In other words, he's saying, I'm the only one left to do all the work. That's false. I'm the only one, God, you see, who cares about this. That's false. Elijah was owning more responsibility than was actually his. When we read on in this text, God replaces Elijah's lie with the truth. The truth, according to God, is that there are 7,000 Israelites, in addition to Elijah, who have not bowed down to the false gods of Baal and Asherah. God replaces our lies with the truth. And then God speaks in a still, small voice. Verses 11 and 12, The Lord said to him, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. I'm learning and discovering in my own journey with Jesus, in in my own spiritual life, when, when I'm at the lowest, God speaks the softest. 
God's gentle whisper. Not the booming sign that God is capable of doing and that God has maybe done before. Instead, God's gentle whisper in that quiet place, in that still place. Sometimes it's just a word or maybe two or maybe a phrase. Maybe it's a picture or an image. It's not much. And it's not loud, but it's exactly enough for the moment. And so for those of us here this morning who are maybe low and hurting, struggling and wore out, if we listen closely enough, uh, we may hear today the still, small voice of God saying, I'm here with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm enough for you. I'm enough. The still, small voice of God. Next, God gives us something to do. Verses 15 and 16. Go, the Lord said to him, Elijah, go back the way you came and Go over the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram, and anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. In other words, Elijah, go back and do what you were doing. Elijah, go back and do what you do. You're a prophetic leader, Elijah. Go back and do what prophetic leaders do. Anoint somebody. Is there something for us to do? God told Elijah, go back and do what prophetic leaders do. Well, we may say, well, I am not a prophetic leader. Well, then who are you? Go and do Whatever it is you do, go back and do what you do and watch God bring life back out of you. That rhymes. Hey, how about that? Churches, we're moving forward into this this season of transition. Let's continue to go and do what we do, church. Let's continue to be the perfect church for imperfect people. Let's continue to be authentic and transparent and real with one another. Let's do what we do. Let's continue to do what we do. Let's continue to care for people in our community. Simple things like providing a meal or providing a ride or Cutting firewood. We go and do what we do. We continue to highlight. We continue to celebrate the fact that we are indeed a multi-generational church. We are young and old together. We have much to learn from one another. Let's keep lowering the average age of musicians and technicians. More Kids Sundays. 
Let's go and continue to do what we do. To love in very tangible ways suffering Christians in places as far away as Pakistan and Myanmar. And even locally here, let's continue to do what we do, connecting with ministries like Vine Maple Place. Let's continue to go and do what we do, to lead with love always as a church and to speak the truth on issues as far ranging as racial reconciliation to human sexuality. Church, as we move forward through this season of transition, let's continue to do what we do. I find the example of Elijah to be comforting because Elijah went from the heights and then to the depths and back again. And I find it comforting because I think his example is our example. His his life is an authentic reflection, those highs and lows and back up again. It's a, a, a rhythm that we find in our own life and our own experience. And so uh, let's continue to remember this morning as we continue on in our worship now, this prescription to combat depression that arises from our text today in, in Elijah's story to eat and to rest and to go where God is, to replace uh, lies with the truth, to listen for the still small voice of God and to go and do what we do. Amen. Let's pray. God, we...